Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. Uh, with me this week, I got victorious from last week, Jesse. Uh, I'm still just reveling in my win. Basking in your glory. I mean, to be fair, Ross would have been floundering without you. I, no, let's, that's not quite fair. <laughs> I, I don't think he knew too many Uruguayan players from the 2010 <laughs> World Cup semi-final. No, everybody should, though. Yeah, um, and also I've got uh, Justin. Is this your second appearance this season? Second, yes. Had one quite a while ago. So first time since, I think, September. Wow. Okay, so you've been out injured all that time, and now you're making your comeback. Well, that's what we'll say, yes. Okay, no worries. Uh, We've got sore loser Ryan. Hello. (laughs) Uh, And we've got Adam. Mm. Brilliant, that'll do. <laughs> don't, don't we also um we also have Andy on, right? Oh yeah, how y'all doing? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. These are spot these are spot on, I have to say. <laughs> uh you should hear the what we do for you when you're not here. Uh. <laughs> uh we're gonna be talking about the Nations League this week, other international games as well. Um Various leagues around the world and fixtures around the world uh, in club level. There's some absolute doozies coming this weekend. And the Premier League is back. So, uh, where should we start first of all? I'll tell you what, we'll start ladies first because we've got uh, got one on here. Uh, we will start France 1, you Uruguay. Yeah, we do, we have a lady. Uh, France 1, Uruguay 0. Um, right, I watched the highlights of this earlier on. Uh, I wrote down, question mark, was it handball and Mbappé injury? Okay, no, no. No, it wasn't a handball, unless your hand is growing out of your chest, in which case you have bigger things to worry about than a friendly. However... I described for the listeners, then, who might not have seen this. Okay. Oh, me. I described for the listeners. You, yes, yes. Um, Well, in my very unbiased opinion, the ball hit Matthew Bacino on the pectoral muscle, and um, his hands were... Up, um, but they did not. The ball did not hit his hand, and um, the ref called a handball, and everybody said no, 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 including me. Um, and it was basically a replay of the Uruguay Brazil match. We lost one nothing on a stupid, stupid penalty. Well, did I do it right? You did, but there's two rebounds, weren't there? I wasn't quite sure which one he gave it for. Uh. There are two rebounds? Oh, the ball? Yeah, it, it hit two Uruguayan players in and around that he sort of area, didn't it? Hmm? He called it off Vecino, which was clearly a chest ball. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, it, it wasn't quite Suarez at the World Cup, was it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, what did you think? Uh, for neither of them. I mean, basically, if anyone's not seen this, I think it's Griezmann, isn't he? He smashes the ball um, about sort of 10 yards out at someone who's sort of more or less on the goal line, hits him, I think, I thought, on his chest, rebounds back to Griezmann, who this time is on the floor, who hits it again, and again hits someone, I'd say chest, shoulder, uh, and one of those was given a penalty. I don't think either of them were, to be fair. Um, but Olivier Giroud stepped up and put it away. Right, quiz, guys. Uh, Olivier Giroud is now the fourth all-time goal scorer for France. Who are the three that he is behind? Thierry Henry. Yeah. Um, uh, Laurent Blanc? No. <laughs> Larry White. Uh, <laughs> River, River Plate legend, Justin. David Trezeguet? Yeah. 
Uh, uh, just Fontaine? No, nope. all recent. No. Okay. Um, Currently banned from football administration. Everyone. Michelle Platini. Michelle Platini, yes. Oh. That's uh, Dr. Not how I say that name. I I, I just say Platini. I, I don't know why I pronounce it that way. <laughs> I'm surprised by Trezeguet on that list. And those are them. I I think Trezeguet played as a goal maker, a goal scorer. In in those days, that was what he was put up there for. You know, pass to him, he puts it in. No. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, okay, right, Nations League then, let's talk about that. So Group A1, you guys seen how this is broken down, these groups of um, fixtures? Yeah, the, could, did they do this on purpose to make it as complicated as possible? I think they did. I think the overwhelming feeling about Nations League amongst people is that, uh, despite being cynical at first, it has been quite a success, actually. Well, I think I would be very interested to see what the narrative would have been had had England not got the late goal. Um, yes, it's it's amazing how on on my Twitter feed it went from I don't understand all this nonsense to uh, this is a smashing success. You got to give credit to FIFA; they really or UEFA they really nailed it this time. Um, but Hashtag based on <laughs> and and uh, they're just a somewhat suspicious change of tone that seemed to take place within moments of of Harry Kane getting that winning goal. All credit to England. I'm sure we'll talk about the game, but but. We went yeah, last it, weekend. It, it's it's you know they they did manage to come up with competitive international football in between tournaments. That's not exactly qualification, which is of course competitive, but can get settled very early in some cases. So um, I wouldn't claim to have fully understood it right from the get go, but I'm on board with it now. Okay. Yeah, I think like the relegation thing is kind of interesting. I think seeing Germany you know relegated but still with a chance to play is is sort of interesting i'm excited to see how it pans out i just um i'm wondering you know france playing a friendly on fifa week in between um uh, nation leagues t- weeks um i'm just curious to see how it all sort of settles into itself okay yeah i mean let's say about the germany they drew 2-2 holland after going 2-0 up um Timo Werner and Leroy Sane uh, with a couple of goals. And then Quincy Promise with a fantastic goal five minutes from time. And then in the Dutch tradition of total football, they stuck Virgil van Dijk up front for an equaliser and hoofed it up to him. Uh, and uh, he got an equaliser in the 90th minute. So you're right with Germany being relegated. Um, they're on two points. France and Holland are on seven points each. Who's, who's all Virgil van Dijk after this game? Yeah, that with the ref? Yeah. It was lovely. It was really, really lovely. And and you know what? And, and showed what a player he is, but what a captain he is, too. It was a really nice thing, a way to step up. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, Jürgen Löw. Match, I think. Sorry, Sorry, Chris, I'm going to interrupt you all over the place. Um, That match between, you know, a Germany that's sort of, um, sort of figuring it out where it is after being a powerhouse, and Holland, that's on the ascendance again, made me realize how interesting this time in football is that there's no one team like when I was growing up um when I was growing up like I'm all grown up now that's great um I'll go to therapy later um but when I was a kid you know there were teams that like you never wanted to play because you were never ever going to beat them you know you were just never going to beat Brazil um and then you were never going to beat Germany and and I don't think there there is a team like that anymore you know which I really like, I think that makes it all really exciting and really interesting that there's no, no nation, no Spain, no, no Italy or whoever that's like truly unbeatable. No, you're right. Um, Gary Lineker said once that um, football is a strange game. You play for 90 minutes and then the Germans win. Um, Mm -hmm. But Yogi Lowe, he survived a World Cup going out in the group stages and uh, relegation in international football, but he's still in his job, isn't he? There's been no real sort of clamour for his resignation has though um, Justin yeah that's a strange one too because even even before that I would say even before the World Cup you did hear questions about how long you'd been in the job international managers generally don't stay in uh, the position for more than a couple of major tournaments 
understandably so because you, you really it's not like a league manager where it's uh, games year to year um, you, when you're qual- trying to qualify for major tournaments you have to sort of account for the fact that your players that may be just over age 30 or so may not even be still playing by the next major tournament and so you, you, you know that you need to be bringing in new players and and I think the feeling in Germany is that he's persisted with some players for too long, been a little hesitant to bring in young players, then did it in a little bit of a panic. Um, some of the stalwarts of the German team that we, you know, have come to see as so reliable in, in recent major tournaments, um, you know, Muller, even Neuer coming in for some criticism. Um, you wonder if because Jurgi Love has been there so long, he's just, just hesitant to, to make any changes and it is a surprise to me he's still in the position. He's contracted till I think twenty twenty two, right? Uh, is he? Um, I, you know, said it, and then it must be true. Someone said it. Mark at the end, but um, where's Ryan? Let's do the Google. If you um, rake every the, the, the ground floor of the forest in California, would you find mm-hmm. Yogi Low as the manager? If you said it was true. Uh-huh. Finland. That's in Finland. <laughs> hey, you know who hasn't got a job? Who? Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane. Oh. Ireland drew nil-nil, and it was a desperate nil-nil by all accounts. So they've both gone. Mick McCarthy has some sort of revenge is uh, in to replace Keane and O'Neill. Um, they drew nil-nil, like I said, against uh, Denmark earlier this week, and... Perceived wisdom is is that despite a good start and Ireland getting to the knockout stages of the Euros two years ago, they really, really haven't pushed on. The football is negative. There's a disconnect between the management and the players. And it's probably better around if they all go. Yeah, sorry. Um, He did sign a contract until 2022. Okay, and what did he say about raking? Um, He says that it's actually a vacuum that will uh, fix climate change and everybody should get a Dyson okay so you just need to vacuum clean the floor of the forest right exactly yes okay do you you just dump all that in the sea do you uh you use it to um to set fire to I don't even know where I'm going with that um Justin help please you could use it to then blow out over the fires couldn't you and suppress it right yes there you go Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so what else have we got? Oh, I did write this down. Uh, Czechoslovakia won Slovakia nil. Is that a local derby? Wait, Czechoslovakia doesn't oh, no. exist in Czech Republic, sorry, won Slovakia nil. Oh. <laughs> sorry, Kirsten. Um, yes, Czech Republic won Slovakia nil. Is that a local derby? is a local derby, I presume, isn't it? Is that the USSR derby? You're at, are you genu- are you asking a couple of Americans about world geography? <laughs> you can do that. You're an Eastern European, Justin, by heritage, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> I, I, actually, you know what? You know what? Those uh, in, fans of this game, football fans, ha- probably have a much much better understanding of geography than than anybody else because. You have to, you have to, you know, come to terms with who these teams are and where they're from. Yeah. Um, I remember as a kid, Red Star Belgrade. Where's that? And uh, Boca Juniors and and you know Orlando Pirates, and and so you learn the world through 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 football. Oh no, you're right. That's an absolutely fantastic point. You do, don't you? I um my college essay, one of them, one of many on that. That that's sort of how I learned geopolitics. Was was following teams like who knew where american samoa was until they became fifa ranked no or the faroe the faroe is the woolly the woolly hat justin yeah yeah the the uh the bobble hat goalkeeper i used to know his name i don't remember now i can't remember his name anymore i could picture him as they beat austria Mark, martin knudsen is that it martin knudsen if you're right you get a very big pat on the back <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, okay, right down the bottom of the Nations League, I find this kind of interesting down here. Group D1, Andorra 0, Latvia 0, Georgia 2, Kazakhstan 1. So Georgia uh, topped that group on 16 points. Uh, D4, um, Liechtenstein 2, Armenia 2, Macedonia 4, Gibraltar 0. So Macedonia got 15 points, Armenia 10, Gibraltar got 6 points, um, which is pretty cool, isn't it? They were in danger of promotion at one point, weren't they? <laughs> 
if if nobody has done this yet, you should go onto I don't know the Google and look at pictures of Gibraltar's um, stadium, and it's amazing. It's like the size of the whole country. That's either a really big stadium or Gibraltar is a tiny place. Yes, Gibraltar is a tiny, tiny, tiny place, <laughs> and the stadium is beautiful. Can uh, I say? Yeah. Can I just say that I was right? It's Jens Jens Martin Knudsen. Oh, well done. Oh, back padding. <laughs> yeah. You should wear a white hat next week as a tribute for him. I'll do it. Excellent. Uh, and in Group D3, Kosovo 4, Azerbaijan, Neil Malta won the Pharaohs. Neil, speaking of them. Uh, so Kosovo 14 points, um, topping that group with Azerbaijan on 9. Pharaohs 5, Malta 3. I mention this because I think that uh, we're talking geopolitics. Kosovo have now got a playoff against Macedonia, um, which could be pretty interesting, couldn't it? Yeah. Um, and I was looking at the Kosovo team that started that. So you've got, uh, this is for a team that only sort of qualified for, or joined you way for a couple of years ago. Um, I think they've won four out of their last five games, and uh, you have to forgive some of the pronunciations here. They've got Arijnet Muric, who's um, their goalkeeper that plays for Manchester City. Uh, Milo um, Rashica, who plays for Werder Bremen. And of course, Valon Brisha, who's played for Norway, got 20 caps for Norway, now plays for Lazio. So they're no mugs, are they, Kosovo? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a real, and that's, I think, also what you guys were saying, this is a great tournament to get to see, you know, people that we not we wouldn't necessarily see come the World Cup. Yeah, uh, and speaking of minnows, um, Scotland managed to win, they beat uh, Israel 3-2, they've won three out of their last four, so for a team who, after they lost against Israel away... Uh, Alex McLeish was in all sorts of trouble um, and really th- there was sort of talk for him going. They topped their group, nine points, uh, thanks to James Forrest hat-trick. Uh, I think it's the first hat-trick by Celtic play for Scotland in over 100 years. Um, what else have we got? So back to the friendlies, Brazil won, Cameroon nil. Neymar went off injured uh, at that game, didn't he? Yeah, actually injured, not rolling around on the floor injured. Sorry, too soon? No, do you know what? Someone made a point the other week. How can a man that falls down and hurt himself so easily um, have so many tattoos? Because surely they hurt. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> uh, so, yes, because Liverpool played PSG. And, of course, Mbappe went off um, with an injury, didn't he? Playing for with um, for France against Uruguay. Yeah, playing against Cavani. Oh, yes, his mate. Yeah. It was a whole PSG derby week. Uh, Italy beat the United States 1-0 um, Albania beat Wales 1-0 so Ryan Giggs has now lost 5 out of 9 games he's played so far or managed so far for um, for Wales it's not going particularly well for him yeah somebody asked whether Ryan Giggs whether in terms of player managers Ryan Giggs or um, Thierry Henry has had a worse start and I didn't really know how to answer that one I saw PSG versus Monaco um, in the week before international break and Monaco were awful, absolutely awful, and that's being kind to them, which is really, really strange because you look at some of the players they got playing for them. They got Eurotelemans, I think he's injured. Pietro Pellegri was injured, but they still got Radamel Falcao, um, and it's really, really sad. It was basically Falcao plus nine little children, and <laughs> they didn't stand a chance. It was very unfortunate to see, but. Um, uh, also, I watched the highlights of China won Palestine. The only reason was I watched the Copper Nine Tree documentary the other day on uh, football in Palestine and uh, what Palestinian players have to go through to play for Palestine when it comes to sort of border checks with Israel and you know coming back to play for them as well. So that was quite interesting. If I can, if I can add a personal note, a friend of mine made his debut for, for Palestine, in the, Palestine in that game and scored. Oh, oh did he? That was a mm-hmm. good goal. That was. Congratulations! What's his name? Yeah, Nazmi Albadawi. He played here at NC State, and then uh, with the local professional side, um, second tier side, um, NCFC, and and he's moved on from there and is at uh, FC Cincinnati now. Well, wow, he, he took his goal very well the other day. Yeah, he's so a great player. Tell him he's got a fan in Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> um, Right, what else have we got? Right, so should we move on to some fixtures coming up this weekend? Yes, let's do. Let's do this, shall we? Uh, you may have a vested interest in some of these. Uh, in Spain, it's Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona and Seville versus Valladolid. Um, so I say that because uh, Barcelona top on 24, a point ahead of Seville here on 23 points. Atletico Madrid third on 23, and also Alaves, surprise package here, also on 23 points. I think um, Real Madrid are now down in fifth place. 
in Germany, Borussia Dortmund are top on 27 points. They are three points ahead of uh, Gladbach. Um, third place is Red Bull Leipzig on 22. Frankfurt 20. And in fifth place, just outside the Champions League positions on goal differences by Munich. So... Dortmund are away at Mainz, uh, Gladbach are home to Hanover, and Leipzig are away at Wolfsburg. Um, in Italy, Juventus, guess what position they're in, guys? Ugh, this should be no position. I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did you see um, Max Allegri suggested that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo should win the Ballon d'Or this year? Isn't that lovely? Just, you know, why not? I read that and thought of you. Uh, Juventus top, they are six points ahead of Napoli on 28 points, so a three ahead of Inter on 25, uh, and then Lazio in fourth place on 22. So this weekend, Inter at home to Frosinone. Um, Napoli, Jesse are at home to Kiev and the Flying Donkeys. Yay! Guess how many points they've got? Uh, Kiev? Yeah. Uh, four. No, less. Oh, no. Two? Fewer. Do they have no points? No points. <laughs> they were on minus till very recently for various financial indiscretions. Well, I do love an underdog. <laughs> well, you're very much rooting for one this year. <laughs> uh, Juventus are home to Spal. Uh, Lazio Milan is a standout game this weekend, along with uh, Genoa Sampdoria. This is the first Genoese derby since, of course, the bridge disaster. Um, if you guys saw that on the news or not, I can't remember. Did you guys see this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is the first uh, Genoese derby since then. Um, in France, PSG are top with maximum points of 39. They're playing to lose. Uh, and going on right this very minute is 5th v... Um, 23rd, I think. It's the Ren Derby. I'm sorry, Chris, I can't let that pass. I'm sure they're playing to win. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's Lyon versus Saint-Étienne, but it's going ahead at this moment. It's the Rhone derby. Um, Lyon are sort of seen as the more middle-class team versus Saint-Étienne, who are seen as the more sort of uh, working-class, blue-collared um, sort of mining area. Uh, and the two of them don't like each other. If you want to check out this, then uh, it's on BT Sport at the moment, but it's worth seeing for a couple of years ago when Nabil Fekir scored for Lyon and took his T-shirt off Messi-style, uh, his Lyon shirt off Messi-style, and stood in front of the Saint-Étienne fans. Um, MLS playoffs, my fellow Americans. Um, yes, are they? Oh, they Atlanta, Atlanta Red Bulls. Yeah, no. and yes. and Portland Timbers are playing Sporting Kansas City. Sporting Kansas City, thank you, Justin. We did it. We're so American. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone? You can pay any attention to this, either of you? I watch the Red Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, I watch them. I mean, the one thing MLS has really done in recent years is they've they've got the teams in proper stadiums, uh, and yeah, so if you it's like the, it's it's funny. I will watch a a poor game if there's a, a it's a good stadium with a good crowd, a good atmosphere. Um, it it that's enough for me sometimes. I may not enjoy it, but I'll watch it. And uh, yeah, I do think the standard is slowly getting there, and, but there's still a long way to go in in that regard. I, I do interject that New York City FC plays in a baseball stadium still. Play in a baseball stadium. That, see, I'll watch that because it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. It's it really... You sort of watch that with a sort of dazed, slack-jawed expression, un, unable to believe that what you're actually seeing is is, is happening. Try so it's kind of comp- Being there, it makes you feel almost like you have vertigo. Like, I... I I've never been to a baseball game, but I've now been to a baseball stadium to watch football, which is very weird. Well, it's in, in case people don't know why it's so weird, I went to a game there, um, a friendly between Chelsea and, and PSG a few summers ago. And the reason it's weird is that the seats in a baseball stadium are all angled towards home plate. Um, oh. So that whichever way, you know, the the the... the stadium obviously surrounds the field, but the seats are all angled to that one, you know, that one, that one area, and it just so happens that the, that area is not even in use when they right. put a football pitch in there. So you're looking, you're, you're angled, your body is angled, and you're looking over your shoulder at the match. It's it's less than ideal, let's say. Yeah, that sounds bizarre. Yeah. I was watching uh, a game on a cricket pitch on TV the other week, and that looked really strange because it's sort of circular, sort of oval shape of a cricket pitch. I mean, one side of the behind the goals are really sort of quite close to the the pitch the terrace is there but sort of terraces down the side of the pitch were miles away it made for a very strange atmosphere 
Uh, so are you two going to play? I mean, I quite like the MLS. And when it was on BT Sport over here, I quite like watching it. The only problem was the time zone. Um, that sort of played hell. But I quite enjoy watching it. It's got some. Most of the teams have got some pretty nice kits. There's some players you like the sort of the look of because you remember them from playing over here. And generally, if the games are played, you know, if the games are played in the sunshine, it's a ple- more pleasant experience watching football. I think. Well, I think you mentioned playing over there. That Bradley Wright Phillips has been incredible yes because... one of the problems with MLS is that we all know when um, matches are being played in other leagues around the world you know um, you just never know when when MLS games are am I right Jesse you just yeah there's, there's no conssistent I know I know that they've got a couple of consistent fixtures for televised games but yeah, if you but follow a team you don't know eight. unless you commit this the the fixture list to memory they could play on a Tuesday night, a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. It, they just sort of fill up the the week with games, um, rather than obviously the you know the the normal fixture list for most leagues is daytime games on the weekend, and then a few cup games or the occasional league fixture uh, midweek. But but you can count on the Saturday and Sunday games in almost every league around the world, and in MLS you never know. Yeah, just because, really... Sorry, I was just going to ask, sorry, is that because there's more coverage of European games in America than the Well, the I think it's actually, I don't think it's that because the time difference means those games are on in the morning here. I think it's just competition with, with other American sports. So yeah. you've got American football on Saturdays and Sundays here from the sort of late summer through whenever the Super Bowl is in, in late winter. Um and then baseball season starts soon after that, so and it may be that they're trying to avoid those times just to avoid the direct competition with the more traditional established sports here, or they just might not know what they're doing. Is there a lot of Liga MX coverage as well? No, yeah, it's, it's very well. Get adjusted. It's hard. It's really hard for me to to watch it's, it. It's it's funny because there is, but it's not it's not advertised or publicized very much. But if you look at the ratings. It always far outdraws MLS games. Oh, that's that just... I'm sure of. But how do you watch it? Like it's not. Well, I, I get the channel. I get Univision and and Galavision and the ver- various channels. Ah, okay. Mexico, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. A um, couple of other big games this weekend. Australia's got the big blue. Uh, Sydney FC versus Melbourne Victory in the Championship here in England, which is apparently the third most watched league in Europe. Um, it's Aston Villa versus Birmingham. But Justin. What is it tomorrow night in South America? Tomorrow night is the second leg of the Copa Libertadores final between two sides people with a passing interest in South America may have heard of, River Plate and Boca Juniors. Okay, so this is 2-2 from the first leg. and it's Sorry? Sorry, go for it. Sorry, I was just going to say this is 2-2 from the first leg, isn't it? And this is at um, River Plate Stadium. Yeah, and, and a, an important thing for people to know is that away goals are not in play Ooh. for the final. It's a typically strange conmobile thing. Away goals are used in the quarterfinals and semifinal, but not the final. So how are you feeling about tomorrow? Not as confident as I would, I, I would like, um, just because the stakes are so unbelievably massive. I'm just happy this is happening at this stage of my life where um, I've left New York City. I don't actually know any Boca Juniors fans here in North Carolina. So in a worst-case scenario, I'm not really going to have to hear about it. Um, But River's best attacking player has been ruled out, um, uh, which is a blow. So has Boca's. Um, River lost Nacho, Stalco, and and Boca lost Christian Pavon. I don't know how I feel about it. I think River are the better side. I mean, we played Boca off the park in the league match last month, and and um, in a in a two nothing win, and and uh, that was at at the Bombonera. Um, I think Gallardo's the better manager, and and I, I trust that he'll have a plan. So I would I would hope River able to squeak it by the odd goal. Can I suggest that this match could go one of two ways? It could either be brilliant because if you say that away goals don't count double, then you know this is a this this game is level at the moment and it's a one-off fixture and with so much riding on it, it could be amazing. Or with so much riding on it and it being a local derby, no player wants to be the one that makes the mistake that leads to the other team scoring a goal. Bearing in mind they've got to show their face around Buenos Aires for the next sort of thirty or forty years of their life. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought that about the first leg. I, I fully expected the first leg to be a really awful defensive, uh, physical, violent stalemate, um, which which has been the case when River and Bulk have met in, in the cup competitions in recent years. Uh, but it was really open and, and free-flowing. Um, I don't think that Gallardo will want that for this leg. Uh, I think he, he would be content with a more controlled, tight game without a lot of space in midfield. And then uh, he may make a couple of substitutions late late on and, and, and sort of go for, for a, a late winner rather than play a wide-open game for 90 minutes. So I I don't know what to expect. I would agree with you that it certainly has the potential to be both of those two things. Um, I, I, like I said, I expected that in the first leg, and we didn't get it. So, so maybe it'll just carry on from the first leg, and 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 they'll just keep trying to attack each other. Okay, Jesse, you're watching this. You yeah, I don't think you d- can discount the sort of ferocity of the fandoms. Um, I was going to ask you guys if you'd seen the videos of the Boca fans who, like, three days ago, were already decamping around the stadiums. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think that, like, even if the team started holding back, I think this is the type of fan, not even the Barra Brava, but the fans themselves who would very vocally make their displeasure known. Yeah, I think that, that this is the 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 be-all, end-all um, of one of the greatest rivalries in the world. And yeah. for whichever fan base wins this one that's it forever they have bragging rights for the rest of their lives there's nothing that can happen um in in the super classico that's ever going to top this it's funny because um you know Boca has had a slight edge in the head-to-head over the years very slight um it's 88 wins Boca, 81 for river and that has entitled that gap of about three percent has entitled Boca fans to to have all sorts of, uh, they, they call themselves Papa, they say that they're River's daddy because they dominate the head-to-head, which, <laughs> you know, they really don't. And in more recent times, Gallardo has, has eliminated Boca from both the Copa Sudamericana and the Libertadores a couple of years ago when River won it. and knocked Boca out at the semifinal stage. People might remember that was the um, acid spray attack uh, from the from the Boca fans on the River players in the tunnel. Um so this is it. This sets it up. This is the, the, the ultimate bragging rights. It's it's as if it, it, it's really like, um, you know, Liverpool-Manchester United Champions League final or, or Arsenal-Spurs or, or Liverpool-Everton or um, the, the Bayern-Dortmund one from a few years back. It's when you meet at this stage with this much at stake um, for the fan bases, it's this is it. doesn't get any bigger. I have to say, I don't think I could physically face a Liverpool Manchester United Champions League final. Yeah, it's it's it's. There's nothing better than to beat your biggest rival on the biggest stage. But what you have to go through as a supporter to get to that stage. So people who don't know it, River were out in the semi-final against Gremio. They were um, in the in the second leg in Brazil and in, in Porto Alegre. They were in deep trouble. They were down. Um, I think they were down down to nothing at one stage of the of the second leg, but of course away goals are were in play. And even at that point, um, as upset as I was by the way that tie was going, I there, there was a part of me, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, that was thinking, well, at least I won't have to endure a, a River Boca final uh, now because Boca had their semifinal already in the bag, and then River scored a couple of late goals and went through on the away goals, and here we are. Um, Justin, what are you going to be drinking? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, that'll just make it worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'll just make it worse. So it, it, there actually might be, I, I might go the pharmaceutical route, if I'm honest. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Okay. Uh, what else have we got? So some bits and bobs of news. Um Katie Stoney, she's joined the uh, One Matter Common Goal initiative. Uh, Manchester United ladies uh, manager. Um, she's going to give 1% of her wages to charity. Uh, she joins the likes of Georgia Cleanlini, uh, Mats Hummels, Kasper Schmeichel and Julian Nangelsman for that. Something I'm just seeing on Twitter right now, Jesse, um, on ugh, WikiLeaks. Have you seen this? I've just retweeted it. So let me just go to my retweet. 
Okay, so Danish magazine... Tottenham, I'm going to be very upset. No, Danish magazine Politiken, uh, with a story on how standard contract for Women's Super League in England contains a clause allowing clubs to fire a player if they're deemed to have a long-term injury for longer than three months. That's pretty horrific, isn't it? So that would seem to violate every workers' right agreement in every other profession. Um, yeah. The, so yes, it's horrible. It's not surprising. No, um, true. <laughs> women have been fired for the, for being pregnant because they deem that um, sort of violation. There's a, there's a lot of like clauses that female athletes have about their bodies because their bodies are their that all athletes have, you know, because their their bodies are their, I guess, however you want to put this in a politically correct way, their their merchandise, their, their livelihood. There you go. That's so much better. Um, yeah. And so there have been instances, most recently the women's Canadian hockey team, um, when they organized, they a few of them very bravely published some of their clauses in their contracts that said that, um, you know, they were required to stay between such and such a weight um, even should they, you know, get pregnant, they could be fired for being pregnant. Um, so there's a lot of ways I think, like, what are you going to say if you get, if you get hired and you, that's, that's your whole, you know, dream is to get hired. You're going to say no based on that. Mm. No. Is it wrong? Yes. But it's going to take a lot of, a lot of really courageous people or some really great lawyers to, to change the the system. Would you like to know what the FA say about it? Oh, do I? No, I don't know. <laughs> Strap yourself <laughs> in. Where's that soup you were blending earlier on? Yeah. <laughs> the English FA say the clause is to meet the quote-unquote unique demands of the English game. English football's governing body says the Women's Super League, which is, again, quote-unquote, Europe's only fully professional league, had to introduce the bespoke measures to support the sustainability of elite-level women's football in England. So it's your own fault for wanting to play in the first place. Right. If you didn't want yeah. to play in the first place, they wouldn't have to invest in it. Yeah. Um, has Phil Neville said anything yet? Uh, he's not quoted in this. No. Mm, I look forward to his tweet. Um, <laughs> With three exclamation marks at the end of it. Right. No, <laughs> it's horrifying. And and look, to Phil, to Phil Neville's credit, you know, he's been sticking up for a lot of his players for the abuse that they get on social media. Um but clearly it goes a lot deeper than just, you know, people harassing female players on the Internet. It's it's this is where it comes from. It comes from just systemic inequality. Yeah. Justin, have you ever seen anything bonkers like this in uh, contracts while you're playing? Um, nothing like that. No, I mean, this is such a litigious society here in, in the U.S. that um, I, I think that... Uh, they would they would know that that wouldn't have uh, um, much of a chance of ever ever being implemented, and would in fact probably put them on the back foot legally right even before it got out of the gates. So I haven't seen anything like that. In some states, though, Justin, I don't know about North Carolina, but I know that in South Carolina, women can be fired for getting pregnant on the job. Well, uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got in football land? Um, there's two new international teams in the world. Who's seen this? I haven't. Okay, this is uh, from Kinefa, which is the organisation for stateless nations. They've introduced uh, Maria M A R I Y A, which is then is the um, they're the team for the Australian First Nations, and also Kerno. Who knows what Kerno is? I do not. I only know it from your from from you. What is it? But I don't know what it is. Oh, it's Cornwall. Oh, no. Cornwall's is it? Is that in Cur- in Cornish? Is that how you say Cornwall? Yeah, Kerno is uh, it's uh, in Cornish, which is a Celtic-based language. So yes, that's how you say it there. Um, I can't play. You have to be born in Cornwall to play. But your girls can. My girls can. Yes, they can. Yes, very true. Uh, so Cornwall have been introduced. Uh, what else have we got? Didier Drogba has retired. Um, I've written here best African footballer question mark. Now, who's, I don't know whether you guys have been on Twitter this afternoon. I had a bit of a debate with Adam over this, um, who isn't here, so I can say what I like about him. Uh, <laughs> Adam basically said that he quoted Michael Cox uh, at zonal marking. Um, 
who basically said that Drogba, his stats belie his status and his scoring record was average at best. Uh, I sort of counteracted the fact that it's not just what he does when he scores, it's how he holds up play, it's how he wins fouls, it's um, how he distracts defenders because they think that, you know, defenders think there's Drogba over there, you know, I've got to see to him and they leave space for somebody else. Uh, and of course, how he carries himself as a person. You think what he's done for African football and for um, uh, and for the people of the Ivory Coast. So, uh, which side of the fence are we sitting on this one? Yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. Um, I understand Adam's points because there are a few seasons in Drogba's prime where he just didn't score anywhere near the goals that someone of his ability really should should be should be scoring. But he went a little too far when he said he's an average player. And uh, just for the record, anytime anyone makes that argument about any player, I know who the average player is to compare him to. Steve Malbron. <laughs> Steve Malbron, <laughs> yes. Steve Malbron. You know, so Malbron if anyone is... says he's average, then say, oh. was he better than Steve Malbron? Because <laughs> that's your definition of average. And Drogba was unplayable for huge chunks of his of his career. He just didn't string those chunks together. Um consistently you know as as he might have given his talent but um he was he was an extraordinary player um for several seasons he was not as good certainly not as good as he could be for other seasons but even in those as you rightly point out chris he's contributing more than than just goals he is a a force that has to be reckoned with and dealt with by the other side, he has to be accounted for at all times, and uh, he was that rare attacking player who could play with his back to goal as a hold-up player, but could also spin and get in behind and had a little bit of pace um, to hurt you that way. He was good in the air when he wanted to be, and he was um, sort of a, a new level of physicality combined with with uh, composure and first touch and skill um, that... I think he actually personally is partly responsible for the death of Arsene Wenger's great sides of the the early mid two thousands. Um, some of what he did in those first few years at, at Chelsea to Arsenal, um, I mean, he he wrecked a couple of careers at Arsenal. I would start with Philip Senderos. <laughs> uh, best African player ever. Well, and now he's competing with people like George Weah, um, who, who arguably made a bigger impact um, on the international stage uh, or, or, or international club stage. But uh, Michael Essien, who you would, could certainly make a case, was more consistent, um, if, if not singularly dominant uh, in his career. But I'd certainly, I'd certainly put him up, up there. Okay. Jesse? Uh, that, Justin's whole... Thing there was so good. I'm not competing with that. I'm just going to say yes. You know, people do the quote tweet, uh, the quote tweet, and then they sort of say this. Yeah, I quote tweet Justin. Fair enough. Okay, guys, right. The Premier League is back this weekend, um, so we'll talk about that for a little bit. So, probably the game of the weekend is tomorrow evening's game. It's on BT Sport. Uh, Spurs versus Chelsea. Right, Chelsea are unbeaten. Uh, Spurs looking for their seventh win in eight games. Um, Chelsea, 21 clean sheets versus Spurs. That's their joint best record versus anyone. Uh, and Spurs at home have got 22% of their points. That's the lowest percentage in the league. Jesse, I'm not going to say it to you this week. Don't. Except we can all say congratulations to Jan Vertonghen for signing a new contract. How's that? We'll say congratulations to Jan Vertonghen then. Well, congratulations, Jan. How do you think it's going to go, Jesse? Not well. Nothing's <laughs> going well. It's not gonna. It's not gonna go well. <laughs> Just in cheer up. I can't. Oh, really? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I, I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to be blamed. Should it, uh, in fact, go poorly? Is there a school of thought to say that uh, Chelsea, other than playing Liverpool and uh, that win against Arsenal at the start of the season, haven't really played anybody of? note and so their sort of position or this unbeaten record they've got belies the fact that they've not sort of come up against Manchester City or Spurs as yet Yeah I mean you obviously have to take into consideration the fixtures um, when you look at a team's form Arsenal had nine games um, 
it was a nine and may have gone even beyond that uh, where, where, where they won the game, and that's great. I mean, there's, there's, there's clear improvement there. Um, but the best side they beat in that run was Everton. Um, there were a few European minnows thrown in. Uh, so fixtures are everything. And, and you know, it, it all gets sorted out when you have to go to Anfield, when you have to go to uh, the Etihad and places like that. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I am listening. I'm just reading a sports headline, uh, a headline of BT Sport. Um, Are BBC you reading sport. about Sergio Ramos? Yes. That just came into mine also. Justin, do you see this? Yeah, he, he apparently failed two, two drugs tests, and it was not... Have you uh, seen the reason why? Yeah. Well, the reason they gave. Have you seen that? No, it was the reason they gave. Uh, right, uh, bear with me one second. Let me just try and find it. Right, De Spiegel said that, well, they blamed it on the doctor writing down the wrong drug. So De Spiegel said the unnamed doctor from Real Madrid had noted down the wrong drug in the doping report following the game because of the euphoria, quote-unquote, felt from winning the title and the fact that the King of Spain and the country's Prime Minister had visited doping control station to see Ramos. He was so happy that he wrote down the wrong drugs. Well, that's <laughs> certainly plausible. <laughs> I look. I look forward to the measured way that Liverpool fans are going to ex- uh, react to this news. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we're speaking of Liverpool. They are uh, away at Watford tomorrow. Uh, in twenty-two top-flight meetings uh, between these two teams, there've been no nil-nil draws. It was three-three last season, wasn't it? Um, Salah in two Premier League games versus Watford has got five goals and one assist. He likes them, doesn't he? He's sort of. Do you remember a few years back when it was Suarez and Norwich? When was, Suarez was just absolutely torching Norwich for a couple of seasons in a row. I was just thinking. That. Yeah. <laughs> but it's away at Watford, who are you know they're pretty sort of feisty at home, aren't they? Troy Deeney might be up for it and getting his sort of legs into Virgil Van Dijk and kick him and all that sort of thing. No. Nah, easy no. three points. Yes, yep. no. For Liverpool. Yeah, look, yeah. you have this. Yep. Oh, I wish I had your. Wish I had your confidence. Uh, West Ham versus Manchester City. City, um, four straight Premier League wins. Uh, West Ham unbeaten in three. Um, hey, Andy Carroll and um, Jack Wilshere are available for this one. That won't help. <laughs> <laughs> Will it not help Andy Carroll versus John Stones or Amaric Laporte? No, I, I actually, I think, I think Stones has greatly improved this season. I think it, we're still seeing some of that tendency to switch off defensively as, as recently as the World Cup. Um, and and I think that the partnership with Laporte has, has suited him nicely. Hmm. I, yeah, this this won't be any sort of match at all. Well, Jesse, uh, West Ham have got one win in 15 versus uh, when they played the leaders of the Premier League. Do you know who that was against? Hey, Chris, who was it against? It was against Manchester City in 2015. <laughs> The linesman for this is a guy called Simon Long, uh, who last week refereed a game I went and watched my local village team. Uh, he was refereeing it. Oh, interesting. Very, yeah, well, it was really bizarre because he turned up in his. Um, he was wearing his Premier League, um, uh, his Premier League sort of referee uniform or assistant linesman. Why did that happen? Why is that? Is that a common thing? Do the Premier League referees do non-league games and, and grassroots games? I well, they didn't. He's a linesman, sorry, for the Premier League level. He's not a, a referee. Line, okay, assistant referee. Yeah, yes. he was refereeing this game. So apparently he lives in Truro, which is about sort of 10 miles from here. Uh, and because it was the international break, he had a, a week off. So he, um, uh, he was going to be this one. I respect that. I, I would not do that. I uh, I am an enormous snob. <laughs> and it doesn't even matter with what. If I've reached any sort of level in anything, I will not step down uh, a level to do that same thing in, in any other situation. I really well, you watch MLS, so obviously <laughs> you're you watch different levels. Yeah, true, true, but that's as a spectator. I mean, I, I've asked, I've had friends ask me, you know, if, if I want to just join in in a kick around game or something, and I'll say, well, what's the surface like? <laughs> what's the pitch? You sound such a snob when you say that. I mean, but I am. I'm not. I'm not going to go out and have a kick around on a on a crap surface. I'm. I'm. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I've lived the good life. You can't. You can't. You go are back. the Didier Drogba of your friend group. I'm not yeah, playing. So. Yeah. <laughs> I did watch a game once. It was a preseason friendly between QPR and Truro City. Uh, I played at Truro City's ground, and it was sort of July, early August. Um, and Premier League referee Kevin Friend, who was down here on holiday, um, turned up to referee the match. So he must have brought all his referee kit with him just in case he got the call. 
That's great. <laughs> he was crap as well. Part, part of that, too, though, with them is that, and this is it's, it's hard to fathom, but they like doing it. They enjoy refereeing. Yeah. I've never got anyone who, given the choice between playing and officiating, would choose to officiate. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, and that's just the choice between playing and officiating. I would, I would, there's a lot of things uh, that I would rather do than officiate, and they include things like chopping wood and mowing, <laughs> mowing the grass. <laughs> because to be a top-flight referee, you've got to be a referee for an awful long time, and you have to retire by your mid-40s, so it means you're a fan to have started out refing at sort of your late teens, and I don't understand someone in their late teens who decides that there must have been like sort of a, a grass at school or something like that if they want to sort of referee from their early teens. I mean, it, it can be it, good it, enough to get into the team, and this is this is like what, or you just really like rules. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 you're authoritarian. It can be decent money for a young person compared to an actual, you know, a job yeah. like. At, at some little retail shop or fast food or something that, that, that people that age are usually forced to do because that's the only responsibility we'll give them. Um, so going out on a nice Saturday and, and having a whistle in your hand is, is better than that, as long as you don't mind the abuse. I would mind it. I would as well. Yeah, the times I've done it, I haven't been able to, to, to sort of tune that out like they seem to be able to do, so... Is that worse than getting abuse from the terraces when playing? Back to thinking, thinking about your Much playing days. worse because there's a power imbalance. The thing about abuse from supporters is that there's a power imbalance in place. I don't care what you're saying if you've paid to watch me do this. Um, I'm just better than you. So <laughs> it just doesn't matter what you what you have to say. I mean, but they're sharpened coins at your head. What was say again, Jesse? They're throwing sharpened coins at your head. Yeah, that, well, right. When it crosses into actual physical abuse, then that, there's a problem. But the, 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 it's, it's funny more often than not, really. I mean, uh, especially in England, especially, especially at the non-league level where you can hear individual comments because the crowd's not always so big. Um, that, that generally, you get the witless, drunk bores, but there's also some pretty clever stuff thrown in there, too. And so you have to just laugh along with it sometimes. <laughs> Uh, okay, Bournemouth versus Arsenal. Um, Bournemouth successive defeats and Arsenal winless in three. So neither of these teams are in form. Uh, Bournemouth won this fixture back in January 2-1. Um, one thing for you, Unai Emery, Arsenal got seven goals from substitutes this season. That's the highest in the Premier League. Yeah, I He hasn't really put a foot too. wrong as far as I can see. No? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think he's really taken to this job well and, um, and made it his own. Really impressed. Annoyingly, really impressed. <laughs> uh, Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. Manchester United last time out, of course, lost against uh, City in the Derby. Palace, zero Premier League wins in eight. Um, almost panic stations time for them with this, isn't it? Although Manchester United haven't lost in 18 versus Crystal Palace either. So, you know, again, it's, um, it's not looking good. However, their one piece of silver lining is... Um, Jose Mourinho has lost one out of 51 games when the match has kicked off at 3pm on a Saturday, but that last loss was against Palace with Chelsea. Stunned silence. Yeah, I'm giving that, I'm giving that the reaction it deserves. Oh, that's a good go! <laughs> that's a good stat! That, that's what I would call noise in the data. I re- it doesn't mean yeah. anything, but it's interesting. Well, right, exactly. It doesn't mean hey. anything. Well, the thing about playing United, though, is is you just don't know. They, they they are so underwhelming as a side, but there is obviously quality in the side. They're, they're nowhere near a title-contending side. No one should ever confuse what I'm saying to suggest that. But they, they do have... They've got players that Crystal Palace couldn't dream of having, and yet it just doesn't... It very rarely congeals into a hole that is worthy of of those parts. When it does, sometimes just for ten or fifteen minutes in a match, it can win the match. And and they're not going to stay eighth or tenth or wherever they are now. They're they're going to get themselves in the top four argument at, at the very least. So based on that, they they shouldn't have difficulty against a side like Palace. But but but. They Jesse, tell Justin how many goals, what percentage of goals Sadio Mane has scored within two miles of the sea. Oh, oh, uh, 
I can if you give me a second to go on my Twitter where somebody very helpful posted it. Somebody who really likes stats about posts. <laughs> Uh, hmm. Hmm. Not one searcher. Oh, seventy-seven percent. There you go. That's a stat, Justin. That's a good one, isn't it? What is that again? Well, Justin, seventy-seven percent of Sadio Mane's goals have been scored on the coast. Oh, within two okay. miles of the coast, isn't it? What does that tell you? I don't know. Uh, well, I know he's he's. We've probably put a few past Southampton. I'm feeling very close now, to like the now, 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 now Brightner in the league. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with. He likes long walks on the beach. And, uh, and, you know, the smell of salt air. <laughs> yeah, it suits him, obviously. Uh, we're speaking of Brighton. <laughs> they're at home to Leicester City. Leicester and beaten in three. Uh, Jamie Vardy is a doubt. Harry Maguire is out. But Glenn Murray... His five home Premier League goals have been worthy of seven points this season, so it suggests that this game could be quite a, a tight affair, couldn't it? Maybe mm. uh, I don't think it. No, Justin. It could be. I mean, there's something about Leicester under under Paul Puel where it's um, there's not the cut and thrust in the in the you know, fast counterattack and all the sort of things we started to associate them with them in recent years. So they, they do seem a little more defensive and pragmatic, even though the defensive record doesn't really show it. But um, uh, yeah. it's, Leicester City's change room has seemed to be a bit toxic the last few years. You know, the, the, the senior players have had a, a way of getting managers out that they don't like. And someone suggested that the Niners were out for Claude Puyol. Do you think any of that attitude may have changed in light of recent events at City? I think that things maybe. like that have to get put to the side now. When it, when when a club goes through what they've gone through, um, as whatever machinations are going on in the dressing room, I think the players would have the this both the sense and the decency to um, sort of bide their time on on anything like that. Yeah. Okay. I would hope. Yeah, I would have thought the same thing as well. Um, Everton versus Cardiff. Everton won three out of um, five before the international break, and they won their last nine versus promoted teams. Cardiff with just their two away goals. I'm going for an Everton home banker if ever there was one. Oh, and Adam's not even here to hear you say that. No, I know. What a shame. Never mind. Um, Fulham Southampton. Claudio Ranieri's first game. Danny Ings is a doubt for them. Um... Fulham have lost their last six in the Premier League. Uh, is Mr. Tinkerman going to come in and change them around, anybody? They need it, but I don't know if I see it. Do you not? I mean, mm. I've listened to a podcast about him this week um, where this uh, there was sort of disproving this whole misnomer of him coming in and being able to do that. Uh, he sort of steadied the ship at Inter and at Parma and... Kind of did at Leicester, I suppose. I mean, Nigel Pearson got them on a run, but they did avoid relegation the season before. Um, are we not giving him enough credit in situations like this? Yeah, perhaps not. If that's what the record shows, if 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 you know, uh, if he has in fact produced in in this kind of situation, then maybe he, get, he deserves credit for it. Oh, you listen to these stats, then, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wolves versus Huddersfield. Has anyone got anything they want to say about this? No. Cool. Oh, Huddersfield are going to lose, and it's going to be sad. Honestly, I really can't wait for them to get relegated. I know. They're taking you the place of someone that could be far more exciting. <laughs> uh, just say think about whoever that team is next season. <laughs> and finally, Monday night is Burnley versus uh, Newcastle. Burnley have won none out of their last five. Newcastle lost their last two. Um... In pointless statistics, uh, Newcastle have lost um, 11 out of their last 12 games they've played on a Monday, and Rafa has only won one at 11 versus English managers, Justin. Yeah, that is utterly pointless. <laughs> How do you think it's going to go? I don't, I don't know. Do you care? I don't know. There's, there's press of building now at Newcastle, and... Um... Uh, obviously, am I right? Did they get a result of the last game before the international break? No, I think they lost um, against Watford, didn't they? 
Oh, they lost against Watford. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. So um, the table starts to get uh, a little more concerning as, as we get near the holidays and, and the new year and, and the sides down down near the bottom. Um, I've got to make a move because we, we know what history says about your position um, come the new year. It's, it's difficult to climb out once you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, uh, Southampton, uh, sorry, Newcastle are 14th though, aren't they? Yeah, but but look at the but look at the points gap there. I mean, it's it's uh, it, it sometimes the position in the table is sort of falsely inflated, and there's if you're only a point or two out of out of the danger zone and with another three or four clubs. So yeah, uh, all the play for still. Yeah, they feasibly could be in the bottom three come Monday night when they kick off. So yeah, I understand. Yeah, what you're yeah. Um, Jesse, how do you think it's going to go? Um. I don't know. I think this is one of those that like could could surprise you or could just be so boring. I'm going to go with the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a good way. Uh, okay, right. Uh, that brings us to the end of our Premier League predictions. Anyone got any AOB? I'm going to take that. Not a... really, except oh. to say I was in Los Angeles last week for the first time in my life. And if you've never been and you haven't seen it, you should go. It is weird. And great and terrible. In what, oh, in I what order? There. I thing. It's just pretty obviously weird, and then it's it's great. Because, well, you know, it's yeah. I think it's the classic um, socioeconomic city, in that the rich areas are stunningly stunningly nice, and the less er- rich areas are horribly neglected. Um, so, and that that's not to recommend it because that's a sad state of affairs that it exists that way. But it is in a, on an amazing piece of land. So, so forgetting, putting aside everything else about it, um, some of the views you know that you get from the Hollywood Hills and and all that, it's it's worth seeing. Cool, Jesse. Anything you want to say? Um, just speaking of Los Angeles and California, um, very very sad about what's happening there. So. Um, just keeping my 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 eyes out out for everybody who's like covering their mouths with the with smoke things just to go out to get the grocery store. Yeah, yeah of course. Okay, uh, right, nice. Uh, that brings us to the end of our podcast. As I said, um, they are, as you know by now, there are umpteen umpteen shows that you can uh, listen to at Man on the Post um, the European podcast was out yesterday with James and Scott discussing their favourite uh, European players and European fixtures um, Dave and Chris had a podcast out earlier on this week talking about the Premier League season uh, now we're about a third of the way in and they've done a sort of little mini report card per Premier League team and we had a quiz of course last week so you can go back and download those Um you can download us through Acast uh, if you've got an Android phone or Stitcher. Um, you can subscribe, sort of like and follow on there, and then the podcast will automatically fall into your inbox. You can uh, like us or subscribe to us on iTunes, and again, all podcasts will fall automatically into your inbox. If you could do even better than that and give us a super duper five star review, we'd be eternally grateful for that. Um, at Man of the Post is the Twitter account at Man of the Post is the Instagram account you can give us a like on Facebook too we're trying to push all those social media platforms uh, as much as ever um, Jesse, are you doing an Unusual Efforts podcast this week? Um, we're doing it next week right now we're getting our um, uh, website back up we have a couple of articles coming out and we have merchandise which is so fun I'm getting a shirt Yes, we were looking through that the other day, myself and uh, my little effortista next to me. Um, really? Yeah, we're, Love that. Uh, we're having a little look through those things there, so um, I'd recommend those guys if you get, get a chance to go to unusualefforts.com uh, or follow them at Unusual Efforts. Um, Jesse, if they want to follow you, how do they do that? Um, they can go to at Jesse Loesch and, um, you know, give me just some some math lessons and science lessons and all the things that I need right now in my life. Okay, if anyone wants to hit you up the stat, how do they do that on Twitter? Uh, at Keepers Union, with an underscore between Keepers and Union. Super, brilliant, right. Guys, thank you ever so much. First, how do people follow you? Oh, they follow me at Cetrigam77. There you go. If you want to do that. Right, thank you ever so much, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you. It was very strange to be outnumbered by people with a different accent for once. This is how you guys must feel most weeks. <laughs> uh, and always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>